What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. On today's podcast, we're going to share a candid conversation Christy and I had the first time we pressed record. We never intended for this to be an actual episode, but about halfway through it, we realized, oh, this really needs to be said. And when we tried to recreate it, it just didn't work. It was perfect in its original form. When the Holy Spirit let it. Minor sound flaws aside, the content is worthy content. And it's also heavy content. So don't listen to this with your kids in the car or running errands at Target. Don't think I'm just going to ho-hum move throughout my day and listen to this content. This is not that content. This is not your granny's podcast. This is an episode that deserves your full attention. You need to listen when you can really hear it. And our prayer is that those that can relate to the pain of this story and the questions and answers that arise out of this vulnerable conversation will give you hope, just as Christy has found. I know you, Christy. I know you would prefer that this recording did not get released into the public arena. Mm -hmm. But God has different plans. As per the usual. And I know that he would not plan anything unless it had a purpose to heal for other people. Has a greater purpose. So thank you for doing it. (laughs) And that being said, here we go. Here's episode three. We are picking up at a place in the conversation where Christy has just asked me what I tell my clients when they ask me big questions like, why do we have to suffer And where is God in that suffering? In this life, you're either going to suffer for righteousness sake or because of your sinful nature's sake. And we're all sinful. We're all going to suffer at our own hands to a certain degree. But as you make choices about who you're really going to be. Well, and that's just it, isn't it? We we make the choices. We do the things. How would you like to suffer? Yeah, we do the things Mm -hmm. that ultimately bring on the suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, we do that to ourselves and... We can't see that in the moment. We want to blame him for the outcome of something that we did, you know? Mm -hmm. Or other people want to blame him for the outcome of a choice we made. Mm -hmm. It's like I remember when I was uh, eight years old and I was wrestling with God. And, you know, I saw demons when I was a little kid. And they had chased me up the driveway. And I was scared. And I was confused. And I was mad. And I was lonely. And I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And I was just, I call it wrestling. I was just mainly given Jesus the what for. It's like, why are you doing this? Not not why are you doing this to me? Like why is this happening to me? Not like that, but you know, who are we to you? Are we is this just some game to you? Are we just like pawns? I don't think I used pawns at that time, but I was like, are we just some game to you, you know, mm-hmm. where you just 
move us around for your entertainment and yeah. watch and see what happens to us. Like, my eight-year-old self, I don't think, use pawns. But, you know, right. just, is this for your entertainment? You know, I was so mad and so hurt. And I never got an answer. I never felt like I got an answer. And so it wasn't always just, I was angry and sad and mean. And <laughs> I was a mean kid. And I don't know. Found found all the answers to that later, though. When he showed himself to me in a dream, when I asked him in a wrestle, where were you during my abuse? Where were you when the demons were chasing me? Where were you when mm-hmm. I was all alone and crying after being raped? You know, where were you? And then he showed me. Ooh, I wasn't prepared for that when I have a dream. And he showed me exactly where he was in each and every of those moments. And I got to see it from his perspective, watching. That was something to see, you know, and I could actually feel, which is super hard, feeling his love for me after being so angry and sad and misunderstood. But, woo, what an experience to see him be sad and hurt for me and watch all the things happen to me and love me and not be able to do anything and then he in true God fashion took it a step further and then allowed me to see where he was in my abuser's life and how the demonic played a role in his choices now they didn't make him do anything that's not how it works we we make choices. He was yeah. not he was not um forced. Yeah, and he was not possessed. He wasn't possessed, yes. I could couldn't think of the word. He wasn't possessed or anything, but there was oppression there, you know, they were around and taunting and he obviously didn't know what that was or anything like that, but or maybe he did, I don't know. I don't know what was in his head or his heart, but the way it was portrayed to me, you know. I had my perspective of what happened to me. And then I got to see what it looked like through his mind's lens. Mm -hmm. And that was just an extra thing that God showed me just to be able to recognize how much he loves me. And also how even in the midst of all of that, my abuser was a person and God still loved him. Even mm-hmm. in the midst of his bad, his bad choices. And was pursuing him. And was pursuing him. The same way that he pursued me my whole life. And the same way that he pursues all of us. He's a good God. So, where was Jesus specifically? You had mentioned he showed you in some kind of way that he was there yeah so when i was um seven or eight years old i was being raped by my abuser and in the act of that i was laying on this bed and i remember like everything about it you know and i pants down He's on top of me, and 
in that moment, you know, I have done all the things that I can do. I'm crying. I've said no. I'm trying to fight off someone who's grown, and that's impossible. So as he's raping me, I, I just remember in my heart and in my mind just crying tears streaming down my face, and I'm asking, God, where are you, and why are you letting this happen happen to me? And I thought you loved me, and... um just all the questions you know that would come to someone's mind and of course in the moment I didn't get an answer and I didn't have that but many years later when I was wrestling with God for an answer he came to me in a dream and he showed me exactly where he was in that moment so he took me all the way back to that exact moment um in my dream and he allowed me to see from his perspective as he was standing watching and he was crying and he stood right there he was right there by me he didn't leave me you know but he was crying like it hurt his heart and as I cried out I could hear my thoughts too you know because I was getting his perspective Okay. And I could hear myself asking, God, where are you? You know, and crying out to him. And um, why are you letting this happen? And I thought you loved me and all the things that I was saying to him. And he was sad and he was crying and he he did love me. But I could, the sentiment of the conversation that was going on, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go into all the details because it was an intimate conversation. But um, the sentiment of what was going on there was that, he loved me and he never left me. He stayed there, but that what was happening was the repercussion of his own choices, my abuser's choices. He was making those choices. He exercised his free will. And in that, I was suffering because of it. Mm. And, you know, God told us that we would have that free will, that, that choice. And because of the choice that he made, I suffered. And while God can do anything... <laughs> Right. In those moments, sometimes we get hurt by other people's choices. Right. And that was one of those moments. But he allowed me. It was a very sweet, you know, moment for for me. And it was actually really hard, too, because seeing, you know, whenever you're in that moment and I think back to that abuse or I have a flashback or I go into that mm-hmm. or I have a dream or a night terror or any of those things and I relive that abuse... I only see my pain and my hurt and what I was going through. But having a different perspective, someone who I can feel his love for me. Mm -hmm. I can feel his sadness and his hurt. And it makes me recognize that in that moment, even though I felt alone because I only had my perspective, that I really truly wasn't because he was with me. And I could feel once I saw his perspective, I was able to feel that. Love. And it just softened me a little bit to mm-hmm. the fact that he sees all our hurts and he knows all our hurts and all our tears. The scripture says, you know, he counts every one. Like he knows each tear we've cried. And I was able to, to get a glimpse of what that was like for him and how much compassion he has to have for each of us and how much sadness he has to have because as much as he loved me and didn't want to see me hurt, he also loves my abuser. That's right. the truth of it. And right. he wants him to repent and to come to him. Right. Mm. 
That's a game changer. Game changing perspective. He went a little step further because <laughs> he's God and he's like, let me show you something else. He also showed me my abuser's perspective. So in a dream following, I was able to see the wrestle that he was having with the choices that he was making and what kind of what was going on in his mind. And let me tell you, <laughs> mm-hmm. that also is a game changer because it allowed me to feel a little bit of compassion and empathy towards someone who... You otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely none. Yeah. So that to me was the biggest eye opener and it just helped i'm not perfect by any means but it helped me to see and look at people's stories and people's things differently and try to see all the perspectives right because otherwise he's just an abuser you would lock him up throw away the key right right yeah and god doesn't feel that way about any of us nope no matter what we've done, that's pretty crazy. That's some crazy kind of love right there. It sure is. And that he will relentlessly pursue all of us and use our own language to show us how much he loves us. He will meet us where we are over and over and over again. Yeah. And I know for many years in my life, I asked, you know, God, where were you in that? Or where were you in this? And I didn't feel like I ever got an answer. But I, this is just how I feel about it now. And just looking back through things when I think about it or talk about it, I think the reason that I never really got the answer, as it seems, is because I wasn't in a place where I could hear it any other way. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were a lot of things that God was still working on me with. And until I was in a place that I could hear it, I don't think it would have done any good had he shown me that dream two years after that abuse took place. Right, you right. know, I had to be in a place where right. I could feel and accept and see. And it was hard even then mm-hmm. when I was in a place of, of more understanding and more mm-hmm. spiritual growth. And yeah, a personal relationship with him. Yeah. You were seeking you were wrestling, as you said. You would yeah. take the time to wrestle with yeah. him. Can you like go into what the wrestle means to you, though? <laughs> because yeah. I think that is important. Yeah, I think it's probably different for all of us. I mean, I'm sure you have a certain way that you cry out to mm-hmm. God yeah. whenever things go not your way or when sad things happen or or any of those things. But for me, in particular, I cut him no slack. I mean, none. It's almost like I'm talking to my best friend who I know I can say whatever I want and we're still going to like each other (laughs) afterwards. You know, it may hurt their feelings when I say it, or they may not agree with it or like it. But when we walk away, we're still going to be best friends, you know, and I don't. So when I talk to him, for example, um, if I'm getting an answer that I don't like and I don't understand, mm-hmm. I'll just call him straight out. Like, I do not understand you. I, I do not like this. I do not like the way you're handling this. I'll be like, I kind of feel like you're being a big bully or you're being a jerk or it, whatever the emotion is, whatever the feeling is, I say it. You just give him what's in your heart anyway instead yeah. of trying to pretend like um, put a... 
put a pretty little bow on emotions and thoughts that really are not the thoughts and feelings you would think that you bring to the throne room of God for a conversation. Yeah. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Like if I'm, (laughs) I like, I like to drive fast and I don't don't like slow people getting in my lane. And so I'm a little bit of a road rager. And so it's kind of like whenever you're behind the wheel and you're having somebody cut you off and you'll be like, ah, you're such an ass. Mm -hmm. I tell him, ah, you're such, you know, in the moment Mm -hmm. when I'm having that emotion, I I say that to Mm -hmm. him. He already knows my thoughts, and he already knows my heart, and he knows me better than anyone else. Right. And if I can't say that to him, you know, then where do I take that stuff? And that's what he wants all of us to do right. is to there's have. No, mm-hmm, there's no sugarcoating and hiding from him. So why why do that? And for me, if I find that it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work for me. If I... If I hold back and I don't have that wrestle whenever I'm struggling with something that he's, if he tells me to do something and I don't want to, I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I just tell him, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And he, if he keeps on, I want you to do this. I, I don't care what you want. Like I, I have those conversations with him yeah. in the moment. I really don't care. Like I'm being selfish or I'm being scared or I'm feeling all the human emotions and I can't see past what he wants you know, I mean, I can't see into what he mm-hmm. wants. I don't care what he wants in the mm-hmm. moment. In the moment, I don't want to. So I say I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And as we ride, that's why I call it the wrestle. Because ultimately, I'm wrestling with myself mm-hmm. and my flesh. Yes. But in that wrestle, what is happening is he gently reminds me of the things that he has done for me. Or the ways that he wants me to show his love to someone else or just, I mean, I may not get the answer for why I have to do it his way, right? you know, but in that moment, it usually, the wrestle is with my flesh, but he's with me in it. Right, right. So you go through all the extreme emotions and the resistance and the anger and the confusion and all of that because eventually it cycles back to... All right, fine, you win. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. You're God. I'm not. I get it. I just had to be mad at you for a little while, and we'll I mean, do some your of plans. These, some of these wrestles take days, right? You know, or longer. But um, lately, in these last mm-hmm. few years, especially, the wrestle cycle has gotten shorter. <laughs> but the the beginnings of the fight and the content of them hasn't changed a lick. I'm still over here like. I don't care what you want. You know, like, this is not what I want. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, didn't you know I'm sovereign girl? <laughs> Get in line. Like, he questions Job. Job questions him. And, like, for the last few chapters of Job, I think it's, like, from 41 to the end or 40, 
41, 42, something like that. I think God lays down the biggest smackdown in biblical history <laughs> to Job, and he's like, you question me? Well, I got some words for you, Job. It's like, where were you when I did mm-hmm. this? <laughs> yep. Where were you whenever I formed the seas and put the mountains in their places? Just tell me, how do you do that, sir, Mr. Righteous Job? And... If you want to see a SmackDown, you know, for years, you know, we listen to rap battles and all that stuff <laughs> in pop culture. You want a SmackDown? Look, check out the latter chapters of Job. That's the best SmackDown. I wish some Christian artist would get a hold of that and 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 twist it into the greatest rap battle ever. Someone, yeah, someone awesome. speak for Job and someone speak for God and just go. Yes, that would be awesome. I would, I would pay money to go to that concert, <laughs> see that live. <laughs> I'd like to see Cure in the Light battle that out with somebody. Okay. That would be cool. All right. Someone needs to make that happen. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. Yes. We would, we would like an epic rap battle between yes. Chance the Rapper, maybe, and Cure in the Light. And there, I mean, if there's other rappers out there that would like to do that, that's just too right. pop popped off at the top of my head holy spirit chase someone down with that (laughs) creative juice (laughs) so i have to ask what is your wrestle like what i mean do you wrestle's my word that's what i do i don't know what what, how how does yours look mine is similar in that it's full of emotion um i have to feel all the things and i already know what the conclusion is in many cases i know that I'm going to submit or I'm going to obey because he knows I will because I can't live with myself because the wrestle, I'm uncomfortable until I do actually obey. But getting there, like you said, is does not happen overnight. (laughs) Yeah. And so when something either has already occurred that I don't like or he's telling me, you know, because we've talked about this in our private conversations, he tells us things that are happening or will happen and we don't so much like what we're getting it's not always good news it's not like yay fortune and you know good times are coming it's also not such good information so um whatever it is if it's just the ordinary of life or it is something profound that he's doing and showing me um purple blanket time is (laughs) what I call it purple blanket time is what I call it where um, I have a blanket that you could probably go buy it I don't know anywhere just a blanket I think I got it at home goods ages ago for probably $9.99 who knows just a blanket it doesn't have to be something it's not $19.99 as seen on TV (laughs) one of those it's just a purple blanket that's fuzzy and comfortable and it sat on my bed for years and um for whatever reason, one day I decided I would anoint it. So I took some oil, some, um, I think lemon, cause it smells the best in my opinion. And um, I blessed that oil, I say with the power and purpose and protection of Christ. And I anoint the four corners and I lay on that prayer blanket. And that's the time where I've just spent with him when there's no wrestle at all, when it's just like, I don't even know what I'm going to say to you today. Just listening. Just listening. Um, 
I, it started because whenever I would pray at night, I'd fall asleep in my bed. And so, you know, I never complete a prayer because I'd just be, <laughs> dear <Yeah>. God, out. <laughs> and so I thought, I cannot do this. I've got to like, I'm not a kneeler because it hurts my knees. And so I finally, I was like, I don't want to lay in the carpet because carpet <laughs> is not comfortable. So I laid down my blanket and then I, at one point I anointed it and it became... I see it as a welcome mat. I lay it down and he knows that is, that's a sign to every unseen being that's yeah. watching it is a sign to God. It is, it's, it is a invitation for him to come and speak to me cause I'm listening and whether it is, I'm going proactively because I need to come to his throne room every day, one-on-one, -on -one, still and alone, um, whether I'm coming proactively or coming reactively because something terrible has happened or because I am in pain or because I'm wrestling with something. Like you yeah. said, he's given you something to do you don't like or he's given you information you don't like or he's leading you where you don't want to go. So it, I do it both ways. It's a, it's a proactive and a reactive place. But um, usually when... I'm in the valley is when that blanket is full of tears or wrinkles or need to be thrown back in the wash <laughs> <laughs> and re-anointed. Um, but I've noticed that that blanket gets a lot more airtime when I'm in the valley. And that's when we grow the most is when we are in trials and suffering like James, what is it? James one, two through four, I believe. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that's it, but we should consider it pure joy when we face oh, yeah. trials and suffering of all kinds because that produces and brings about a completeness, a maturity that we did not have. James 1, 2 through 4. Yes, that's it. It brings us to a completeness. Now, we all know we're not complete and right. whole and um, complete sinless on this earth that just doesn't happen right. but it it brings about a maturity that allows us to be what he needs us to be where he puts us yeah and you don't get there on a mountaintop if you right. see anyone who's doing something fantastically amazing for god and walking right in that you know they have been to the wrestle they have been they've to been the mat the they've been to purple blanket time they've been on where you you know you wrestle on yeah. your on your lawnmower they have been in the wrestle they have been okay. kicked around they have they know what it is to suffer they know what it mm -hmm. is to hear bad news they know what it is for things not to go their way they know what it is to be you know have smack talking going on all around them they know what it is to be hated and persecuted and hurt for righteousness sake and so it is something that we as believers if you want to be a mature believer right you got to do it no question now if you don't want to be a mature believer by all means keep your head in the world's game and don't get alone with god but i tell everybody that I can get a hold of, but usually my <laughs> captive who will listen. Usually my captive audiences are the one on ones I have in the counseling room and the answer to nearly I would say not nearly, but every question is 
how do I cope with this? You know, the answer to how do you cope with this mm-hmm. is not in a skills book. Right. I feel a little bit icky whenever I teach cognitive behavioral skills or <laughs> dialectical behavioral skills. They're helpful to a degree, but if you don't have one-on-one time with the creator of the universe, which knows you from top to bottom, cell to cell. He searches and he knows and he plucks out anything you need to see and he is your full-length mirror and he will show you who you Mm -hmm. are and how you're going to deal with yourself. And that is my number one advice to anyone who is hurting is, have you talked to God about that? Have you gotten alone with that? And if they don't have a relationship with God... What I tell people is, do you want one? I mean, not everybody wants one. And if they don't, then, you know, we got to go the skills route. We got to go a different direction. Not everybody is seeking or wants that relationship. You know, I've heard a lot of people, including myself early on um, in my life, be like, I don't know how to talk to God. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. How do you have a relationship with God? Like, he doesn't talk back to me. I can't hear him. Or like... How how do how do you tell people? Mm-hmm. How do you encourage people in that area of mm-hmm. their life? You know when they're when they're coming to you and they say, "I I can't. I don't know how to talk to God. Where is He? How do mm-hmm. I find Him?" You know, right. they have no frame of reference. Yeah. or the reference they have is the God of formal religion, yeah. which really doesn't teach the rela- about the relational God more about the God of do's and don'ts and sin mm-hmm. management. Yeah, and um, just box checking. Your church attendance is not a relationship with God. Right. PSA. But how do you get one? You got to want one. You got to show up. You got to choose it. I think the greatest question, the greatest start to that is a question that you asked, what, 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah, you actually almost about? 10 years ago this year. Yeah. Next yeah. month. I was struggling, big time struggling. I was being harassed and I don't know if you guys keep listening you'll find out all about these things but mm-hmm. um I happen to be one of those people who can see things that are not just in this worldly realm but see the unseen things and I have since I was a child um and in that I was struggling I thought I was crazy I'd been to doctors and all kinds of things and I recognized with the help of friends and um, family and good therapists (laughs) Um, that there was a spiritual thing going on and I needed to really hone into that. And one day when I was really struggling and I was being oppressed and the enemy was trying hard to get me to choose things that were not godly, I just asked God, I, I needed to know I was at a crossroads for me, and it was mm-hmm. one of those moments in my life where it honestly could have went either way, you know, and I just asked God, crying out to him in one of my wrestles, and I said, God, if you are real, I need you to show me in a way that I will understand that you are real and that you love me, mm. and I don't know what I expected. I didn't expect any answer, but whoo, boy, did he show up. <laughs> Yeah. In a really giant way. It totally did. Totally did. And that is a start for many people. 
is just to say, like you said earlier, just bring your ugly emotions and your nasty words to the throne room of God. He can handle it. It's not like and I got news for <laughs> I got news for some folks. Sometimes my ugly words didn't come out Jesus you're a meanie. It didn't come out like that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. when I'm really truly mad, sometimes I say words that you wouldn't say in front of your 2-year-old. Right. And I can say that or to God. Or to the creator of the or universe. The, yeah, or to the creator <laughs> of the universe, you know, and they would be edited. Yeah. Out of a Christian podcast, but I can't. I can't not bring the authentic me to to my God, right? Because that is the only thing He wants is the authentic me, mm-hmm. and He gives me permission to come to Him that way. Right. In fact, He begs me to come to Him that way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want me to try to fix me and bring myself to Him all dolled up because. That is pointless. Mm-hmm. The only thing that can cover up all the messy me is the blood of Christ. And only he can give me that. And if I come to him with all my makeup and all the band-aids on all those arteries that are going everywhere, it doesn't do any good. Yeah. He's the one that takes care of all of that. Right. And I can come to him broken and he'll scoop me up. And he's the potter. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the clay and he'll... He'll mold me to what he needs me to be. I don't mm-hmm. have to do that for him. Mm-hmm. And anything that I could do would, wouldn't would compare to right. what he can do with my life. Right. That'll preach, sis. That'll <laughs> preach. Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it has been preached. Yeah, it has been preached. But no one's preached it like that when he jumps in. Your mouth, he says, what he needs to say to speak to the right person or people well and that's the beautiful thing about all of this that even in the midst of all of our imperfections that we can say it the wrong way or be like oh i wish i hadn't said it like that or i wish i would have done it like this like god doesn't need our perfect he just Mm -hmm. needs us to show up and in that Mm -hmm. he can take any of the mistakes that we've made and he can use it for his good and that's what he do he takes what the enemy meant for evil, mm-hmm. and he turns it Absolutely. for good. He takes the rape that you think is going to sink your life and make you want to quit living, and he uses it to set you free and set other captives free. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. We hope it has been a catalyst for you to examine your relationship with God If this series is speaking to you, we hope you will take a second to leave a review, follow, and share it with others so that they, too, might be impacted. We will be releasing a new episode every other week. Join us for Q&A on the God Be Crazy Facebook page. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you.